Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicke and on each episode of this show, we look at one of the classics. And joining me to look at such a classic this week, dare I say, it's classic guests, Jess Perkins and Michelle Brazier. Yes. 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 Classic guests confirmed. wanted. Yeah, People have been demanding. Have they? Well, I hey. think when I, at the at the end of every year, um, Jess and I, we also do the show Do Go On. Our Patreon supporters, we get What's them that? to vote for their, What's do you go their on? favorite. It's a really good podcast, actually. Sounds you long. You should listen. <laughs> we talk about Fast and the Furious a lot. Oh, and, my God. Uh, I've never seen it. that. <laughs> I think you'd like it. It's well, fun. You don't, you don't have to because we did an episode where we explained them all and it was very fun, actually. <laughs> was it? And that was with you, if people are actually confused. Uh, <laughs> Psych. <laughs> but we do a we do a countdown uh, where we get people to vote, uh, Patreon supporters to vote for their favourite episodes of the year. And I think the episode that we did last year on Jane Eyre with you two was the second most popular episode. So that's pretty good. Honestly, Dave, gun to my head, if you'd said what book did we do last time, <laughs> couldn't have told you. I would have said, take the shot, my friend. Uh, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> Just, See you later. You wouldn't even you wouldn't take a guess. Just wouldn't guess even try. Charles Dickens. Nah. I would have said it was written by a chick. <laughs> yeah. That's all I had. I would okay. have said, like, Kate Bush. Maybe yeah. a book by Kate Bush. Was it by Kate Bush? <laughs> Kate Bush. Well, her sister wrote Wuthering Heights, <laughs> which is a Kate Bush song. So there's some connection. Okay. Okay. But no, a delight to be um, back on Bookcheat. Delight for Bookcheat um, to be back. And also, um, good luck to you, Dave, because uh, we've already proven in the 15 minutes before we've hit record <laughs> that Michelle and I are feeling a little bit silly. <laughs> I would like to say I have just done a rapid test and I tested positive for the sillies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I saw Michelle on the weekend and, and the sillies are very contagious. That's why you've oh, got no. the sillies. Oh, no. You're a close contact of the silly. Yes. <laughs> Imagine being a man, right? Like a like a like a bit of a misogynistic a misogynistic man listening uh-huh. to this. Just be like, shut these women up. <laughs> yeah, get him. <laughs> hey, what was the first one? The you, first book. You said we were the second most. Oh, number one. Sorry. It's it's difficult to compete with uh, Mr. Sunday Movies, James and Nick Mason, who came on to talk about a James Bond book. So that was a real hit. That feels sexist. That feels... Yep. I've, that feels... Yeah. 
I don't know. Just because what the hosts of uh, of an incredibly popular podcast <laughs> yeah. came on, and and like the podcast that introduced most of Do Go On listeners to Do Go On, so they come on and everyone's like, "That's my favorite. I loved it." <laughs> Whatever. Well, how about I do you a favor and I won't have them back on this year, just so you get that. Top Thank spot. you. Thank you. <laughs> Sometimes to correct problems in the world you need to overcorrect a little so yeah if you could not yes those, i tried to explain that to my mum today yeah yep she was having a bit of trouble with pronouns and i <laughs> told her a few different things about the world yeah. and you know what she's a great person but she was very confused <laughs> she had pronouns a very are confusing hard time. aren't they oh, oh she had such a hard time i was like okay mum. she's in her 70s god bless she's, she's trying Really talked herself into a spiral, but she figured it out and she's got it now. Okay, well, that's something. Yeah. What's Sorry, Dave, did about you want to talk on your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm actually I'm worried about this because um, you couldn't just remember the episode we did last year, which was on Jane Eyre. So mm. you definitely won't remember this fact. Michelle, maybe you do. But um, at the time... Never a fact in my life. There was a, there's a character in the Jane Eyre book. Oh, I said, shit. Oh. And we liked her and she was like... She she went she was not well and everyone was like ah and then you were like oh there's a girl there's a version of her no you go <laughs> there's a spin off there's a spin off mm. uh, written about a hundred years later focusing on this character yes. yes like a wicked telling the story from their perspective and, and it is- the books a musical is it maybe. No, you're looking at me like I told you something. I'm guessing. She's hoping it's amazing. Because of Wicked. Oh, okay. Because Wicked is the Wizard of... Don't worry. I'm like literary and I know all this literary stuff. I was making a cultural reference. <laughs> okay. It has been adapted into a movie a couple of times, so I can confirm that. But the musical, maybe. And if... Honestly, if you feel like adapting it, Michelle, I think you I'm should gonna do it. I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> uh, I'll give you the it's... title. The title is called Wide... Sargasso Sea. I'm holding Ooh, it up. I don't know why. Wide Sargasso Sea. Okay. What's the character's name again? I cannot remember her name. Uh, in Jane Eyre, the character's name is Bertha. 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 Bertha Child. <laughs> yes. <right>. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Bertha. Of course. And this one's been suggested by a few people. Uh, thank you to Tabitha Post from Melbourne, Angie from Louisville in Kentucky, and Sasha Eisenstadt from Belfast suggesting that I cover this on the show. And I thought, because we mentioned it last year, I've got to get you guys back on to talk about it. Mm. Thank you. Mm. Yes. And we'll let you talk. <laughs> oh, it's hey, too late any second night. now, waiting for my, waiting for my turn. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go, little buddy. You have a go. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you. So this book's by uh, Jean Rees. Jean Rees, a British novelist born in 1890. Born and grew up in the Caribbean island of Dominica. Oh, okay. Her first four novels were published during the 1920s and 30s, but after that she fell into literary obscurity for decades. Oh, no. What? Were, what? Oh, no. Why yeah, so she put these out. To women? People like, liked them, but they weren't big sellers. Um, and then she just sort of disappeared off the face of the earth. She travelled Europe as a bohemian artist uh, living in poverty in Paris. Oh, wow. So... And she was widely forgotten. That was until 1966 when she published this book, Wide Sargasso Sea, by this time 76 years old. Wow. Oh, my gosh. What year is this? 1966. 
1966, yes. Wow. It was an unexpected hit and was met with acclaim. She won a prestigious W.H. Uh, Smith Literary Award in 1967. Um, so it's finally happening for her, but unimpressed by her literary fame, Reese commented, it has come too late. Oh, yeah, I can no. understand why she would feel that way, yeah. yeah. I think that's great. Like, wouldn't you be like, oh, good, I did it, and then you can just enjoy the rest of your life and stop trying to achieve the thing? Yeah. Hmm. She did it. That'd be great. Like, if I could get on Conan when I'm 89, <laughs> I reckon I'd just go to sleep and not get back up. That'd be fantastic. I guess maybe just 70s on the is couch. too young. and Yeah, yeah, just on the couch. Yeah, on the couch. Hmm. I assume I'll, I have a couch. Oh, I was thinking more of Conan, Conan's couch. Oh, Conan's chair, couch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just pass yeah. away. I assume I have Conan's couch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At my house. I assume yeah. that when you do it, he gives you the couch. Yeah. Mm. What are they going to do with it? That's why they use had to stop again. doing the late show. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're not going to use that again. That's not, no. you can't reuse couches. That's how people catch no the sillies. <laughs> And a lot of silly people go on that show. A lot yeah. of silly people go. It's not safe. It is honestly an unsafe work work environment. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she, the success came too late. Still, the success renewed interest in her earlier work, which also grew to be more appreciated. Uh, she died in 1979 at the age of 88. Okay. So she did. She that, she had some success in her life, like that. She, she had some for. success, and the back of the copy I've got. There's a quote from the Times saying that this is one of the works of genius of oh, wow. the 20th century. So it was oh really gosh. acclaimed. Wow. What an amazing... That's so cool. Yeah. It's like it's obviously a bit sad that she sort of feels like it was a bit too little too late. But mm. she got 20-ish, you know, 20 years of, uh, of uh, success. And uh, also so many artists die before any of their work is... Um, yeah. Even acknowledged. So I guess in a way it's a good thing that she actually got to experience some of it. Totally. Yeah. Have you guys seen the episode of Doctor Who where um, they go back in time <sighs> and they meet Vincent van Gogh and then they show they take him to the Vincent van Gogh Museum? Yeah. I don't oh. even watch Doctor Who and I've seen that clip many times. Oh, me, my me, God. It's so good. It's fucking stunning. It's so nice. It's so... I. I'm gonna, yeah. I could cry now thinking about it. It's so I feel beautiful. like YouTube just puts it as a recommended video if it knows that I need a cry. Yeah, it just, it just knows. Here you go. It knows. Have a little cry. Oh. Then, you'll, then you'll be all right. Okay, you've had your Thank cry. You. Here's a puppy. Look at the little yeah. puppy. Yay! Yay. <laughs> the puppy fell over, but he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the book. Why it's so gas to see. It's a prequel to Charlotte Bronte's Jane Eyre, which we talked about last year. And if people want to hear us talk about that, they can go and have a listen to that now. Uh, that book was published in 1846. So essentially, it's really acclaimed fan fiction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. But you can say the yeah. same about Fifty Shades of Grey. And, you know, Absolutely. that is one of the genius literary <laughs> works yeah. of, you know... <laughs> Sorry, Dave, Braz is just making more cultural references now. If you haven't, yes. She's literary. Sorry, I'm literary. Yes. <laughs> so I'm not as widely read as you, so I haven't heard of this. No, no one's as widely read as me. <laughs> but I put it on the to-do list. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's gorgeous. I could read you a passage. 
Oh, I'd I can love recite that. you a passage. No, you'll have to pay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so this has been described as a uh, as a post-colonial and feminist reply to Jane Eyre. That's what this is this is described as. People always debate these things because some people say that Jane Eyre is one of the first feminist novels itself. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, fe- uh, feminism changes. That's they yeah. can both be feminists, Mum. They can. <laughs> <laughs> It's not one thing. It's sort of. It's quite nuanced. <laughs> it, it, it changes. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to quickly recap Jane Eyre. Oh, thank God. Just because something tells me that uh, at least one of you might not remember anything about and it. And that thing that is t- that something that's telling you is that your entire friendship with me? Yes. Yes. I knew you'd be like Jane. Who? <laughs> God, I, there's got to be something wrong. I rem, I retain nothing. <laughs> it's embarrassing, but also well, pretty funny. How about <laughs> I'll read this out and you know, put it into a few paragraphs. Okay. Uh, we have done the full episode. If you want to, people would want to hear that. You tell me just how much of this you remember. Okay. Uh, so the novel follows the life of Jane Eyre. Would you believe it? Never heard of her. I, I could have guessed at that one. Gun to my head, I could have had a guess at that one, I think. Uh, she essentially tells the reader about her life from a very young age. She was orphaned and lived with her evil aunt and cousins before being sent off to boarding school where the headmaster is awful to her, but Jane finds herself at the school and eventually becomes a teacher. That. Do you remember that? She teaches for a couple of years but eventually decides to be really brave and do something else with her life. And She advertises herself as a governess and is taken in at a manor home called Thornfield, where she looks after a French girl called Adele. Adele! Adele. <laughs> I bet you we did that. I bet you we did that. <laughs> That's got to be jogging something right there, surely. Adele! <laughs> Adele! 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 Okay. I can't tell if you're having the exact same response uh, or if you are actually remembering. No, no, it's just the same response. <laughs> same response. Don't yeah. remember doing it, it, but guarantee I did it. Yeah. Can confirm. Uh, the manor <laughs> is owned by an elusive man named Mr. Rochester. Rochester. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about doing exactly the same thing. And I thought, no, you can't do it for every character. And I closed my eyes. And then you did it. It was perfect. Rochester. <laughs> that kind of accent always makes Dave laugh too when I do that. It's, it's so funny. Rochester. Rochester. You beautiful bastard. You beautiful bastard. Rochester. You rotten bastard. Rochester. <laughs> he's done it again. He's done it again. Oh, he's done it again. Who has? Rochester. Who do you think has done it? Rochester. Rochester. You guys seen Bedazzled recently? Is that a book? Can we do Bedazzled or no? It's definitely based on an old movie, but is that based on a book? Mm, what is an old movie but a book? Oh, that's good. Fantastic. Mm, that's good. <laughs> I just start downloading old old PDFs of, of, of screenplays from the 40s. I love that. Yay. So there's Rochester. Jane's working for him. Um, she falls in love with him. Yes. He, the nanny uh, man, Fred. Classic. We know abso- the plot. Absolutely. We know that. She saves him from a fire one night. The nanny again. And a bunch of other unexplained stuff happens at his house, Thornfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's pretty aloof at first, but eventually he admits that he loves her too. 
Mr. Rochester proposes to Jane and they are at the altar about to get married when a man named Mr. Mason appears and objects, Mm. claiming that Mr. Rochester can't marry Jane because he's already married to his sister named Bertha. Bertha. Jane's like, whoa, 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 what? But Mr. Rochester (laughs) confirms that this is in fact true. He claims that when he was younger, he was tricked in inverted commas there, into marrying a woman in Jamaica who, like her whole family, was destined to go mad. Oh, that's right. And he keeps her locked up in Thornfield, up in the attic, and Bertha is the one who caused the fire. Yes. Yeah. Heartbroken, Jane leaves Thornfield and goes on a wild journey where she almost dies. But wouldn't you know it, she is rescued by some people who turn out to be her cousins who have a fortune to share with her. Oh, yeah. That is very convenient. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was the one, like, sort of hack bit of writing from, from Bronte there. Yeah. <laughs> Love the rest oh, of it. Oh, we're so glad we found you. You're rich. You're what? Yeah. I mean, I'd be okay with that. Are the Bronte sisters from Yorkshire? Are they? Well, they've... <laughs> I feel like we might have had this conversation <laughs> last time. <as> well. <laughs> <Should> we... <laughs> okay, let's get past this part. It's just a reason for me to say the hour's passage. <laughs> and I like to imagine her there with her slippers on in this room, dying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. You go. You. This is yours. Uh, they are f- from West Riding of Yorkshire. Well done. Yes. 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 So she saved it one night. She hears Rochester's voice calling her name sort of across a field, and she realises she must return to him, so she hurries back to find that the manor, Thornfield, has burnt to the ground. <gasps> Thankfully, she discovers that Rochester isn't dead, but was just badly injured, Classic. losing his sight mm. and one of his hands. So she, that's right, she like just gets a sense. She hears him yes. calling her name. And then uh, when they're reunited, he later says, oh, I actually called out your name. And she never tells him, I heard it. You know what? And like, I think, I think that's part of the charm of like the olden days, right? Because now you wouldn't even try to telepathically communicate with your lover. You would just text them. Yeah. See, for <laughs> instance, know? I would, if I was trying to communicate with Jess, I would just once more try to activate the walkie talkie functions on our Apple watches that we have. We simply cannot get it to work. We can't get it to work. Oh, but we've no. been trying really hard. To we get want it to, work. to so much. Yeah. Just so that we could interrupt each other's days. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Do you ever end up having to just call each other the old school way and saying, "Hey, is it working for you?" No. We don't even do that. <laughs> okay. We just send voice memos back yeah. and forth all day. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. It's it really is lovely. a bit of fun, actually. Yeah. yeah. Of fun. That's fun. Yeah. This is We're like fun. a voice memo. We're isn't friends. It? <laughs> So Jane uh, gets back with Rochester. He explains that Bertha, the woman in the attic, started the fire and he tried to rescue her, but she f- either fell or jumped to her death. I feel oh sass as shit. No, but there's no witnesses yeah. there saying, oh, I try- I, he, he tried. He's like, yeah. I tried so much to yeah. to save the woman who ruined to my save, life. Yeah, the obstacle between me yeah, and you. I, tr- oh, yeah. j- I tried. Because it all means in the end that Rochester is now free to marry Jane. And at the end of the book, she reveals she's been married for 10 years. They live an equal life together that her husband regained his sight just in time to see the birth of their son. He regained uh, his sight. That is all very convenient, isn't it? That's beautiful. Yep. 
So that's that, that's Jane. People who can't see can still have children. I just want to flag that. You don't have yeah. to regain your sight. Yeah, it's not sad to have a child and not be able to see. Why'd she have to do that? Hey, I have a bone to pick with her. Hey. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. No, that's good. It's a good book. It sounds really great, Dave. Yeah. What right. a great book. What a great episode. Well, about thank you. <laughs> what, how, how about a prequel now? Yeah, great. Yeah. Now that we're up to date, thank you. I did need that refresher. I, I need it. Great. So that's the refresher for you, and everyone at home hasn't heard it in many, many months. There you go. So we always start with the opening line, and the opening line of why it's a gas OC is, they say when trouble comes, close ranks, and so the white people did, but we were not in their ranks. The Jamaican ladies had never approved of my mother, because she pretty like pretty self, Christophine said. And we're off. Okay. We're, off. we're straight off. So... The novel starts in Jamaica and we're already hearing about a family that isn't approved of by either the white people or local Jamaican people. Right. That sucks. That's where we are. Now, in Jane Eyre, the reader learns of Bertha's past, not from her own perspective, but only through the description of her unhappy husband, Mr. Edward Rochester, and the things he tells Jane. Yes. So, you know, it could be a little bit skewed. You could. I think it's say. probably been a little bit skewed, yeah. 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 But in White Sargasso Sea, we hear from both Bertha herself and also from Rochester. So it jumps between the two telling the story throughout. Can you do the accent when Rochester... Rochester! <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you can't get into it easily, Dave, you just have to do a little run-up. Just do that. There we go. Rochester! There it is! <laughs> Love it. It's, it's actually so fun. It's really fun. It feels good on the throat. <laughs> Rochester! <laughs> <laughs> so in this book Bertha's name is actually revealed to be Antoinette Oh, And we'll get to that a little later And the reasoning behind that But Antoinette is Bertha and vice versa Okay, Got it, okay So we're going to call her Antoinette from now on Okay, great And her husband is actually never named as Mr. Rochester We just sort of have to put clues together To know it's the guy from Jane Eyre yeah. okay. But he's never named Right, okay Copyright reasons Copyright. Well, it also doesn't explicitly say who is talking, but I have a version with a lot of footnotes, and oh. one I found was helpful that it says note, and you look at the end, it says this part's from Rochester's perspective, okay. even though he's not named. Okay, that's handy. But there were more footnotes than I've ever seen in my entire life. This isn't a long book. This is what, like 130 pages or something. Oh. There's 150 notes on the text. Whoa. Some of them, I don't think were that necessary. For example. <laughs> Some of them explain local Caribbean customs and culture that I'm not familiar with. Love that. Gives me historical and cultural context. Love it. Another part, in part two, the first footnote in part two, and it just says, mango, and has a little number. (laughs) And you turn to the back hoping that it's some sort of double meaning in the Caribbean or something needs explaining. And it just says, an evergreen tree with dark green leaves and sweet tasting fruit. (laughs) I didn't didn't need that one. And if I was really confused, I could I could Google that in this day and age. Yeah. And if, the annoying thing is that it's about 50% interesting, 50% like that. Yeah. But you have to double check know. to make sure yeah. every time. You don't know. So, so, so thanks very much for, for Modern Classics Penguin for putting that in. <laughs> needed that. Anyway, a story starts with the childhood of Antoinette. Let's say, say when trouble comes, close ranks, and so the white people did. That's the opening line. Yeah. Antoinette's parents were slave owners, but importantly for the historical context of the novel, slavery was outlawed in 1833, just before this time. 
And now Antoinette lives on a rundown plantation called Colubri Estate. So her parents were slave owners. Yes, and they had slaves Up until work recently. the estate. And now, and now like, like, what do we do? Apparently many of the formerly white slave owners, their businesses have gone down the toilet because they no longer have enslaved people to do free work for them. Yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, that will happen. Are they? you have to pay people. Wait, is she white? So her dad passed some years earlier from drinking and he's like a, a, a white man. Oh. Uh, and her mother is uh, Creole and she, she's not approved of by the other locals because she's from actually from the French Caribbean colony, Martinique. Okay. And they're from the English-speaking Jamaica. Oh, okay. So she's not popular like her daughter with either side of society. Right, yeah. Okay. And she lives there with uh, her mother, Annette, and also her disabled brother, Pierre. That's the three in the family because dad's gone. And the other reason people don't like her mother is she's apparently too hot. Mm. Too sexy. Too sexy. Too sexy. Yeah, I absolutely. Everyone intimidated by how good looking her mother is. Yeah, I've been there. Got a hot mum. Same. I mean, that, I mean, that is what Antoinette tells us. But also, they used to own a lot of the local people. So you can see why there'd be other reasons no, they're not popular No, it's definitely that mum's hot. It's definitely that. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, I don't not know why fight. they'd have no. a problem with that. It's not that we mistreated your parents or anything. It's that my mum's too hot and you're threatened by <laughs> <Yeah>. that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess what? People tell me I look like her. So, so whatever. I guess you hate me so too. So bring up any trauma of you being jealous. <laughs> yeah, this is awkward for you. I guess I'm just such a hottie. <laughs> Uh, the only close acquaintance that the family have is Mr. Luttrell, who is a neighbour. One day, he randomly shoots his dog and swims out to the ocean, never to be seen again. Okay. Which, Jesus which is a, a, Christ. A bad omen and one of many in this pretty grim book. Was he a slave owner too? I believe so. Well, sucked in. I wish his dog got away. Yeah, me too. It's Love hard to time. feel sorry for her when we're meeting her as a slave owner. Yeah. Yes. I guess the daughter's quite young, Antoinette. She's never partook. Yeah, she never partook in slavery. Yes. Good. <laughs> That's good. That's good, actually. That's yeah. the bare min. That's the bare <laughs> yeah, min. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would say. I feel like if we if we uh, if, if we hate it from the start, it's going to be a grim book. Yeah, that's, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> trying, to, trying to stand up for oh her a little bit. Oh, my God. Yes. I saw an ex-boyfriend of mine today. <laughs> So sorry, I just remembered this and it's not relevant, but can I please tell you? Yeah. Yes, we need to hear There is a guy who is, I name him in one of my songs that I do often, I do on television, and I have not seen him in a long, long time. And I walked into a new cafe today and I saw a table full of people who I immediately judged as real estate agents. And I looked at them and I thought to myself, look at this bunch of fucking real estate agents. And then I realized (laughs) that among them was one of my ex-boyfriends. Wow. Yeah. God bless. Who works as a real estate agent? I don't, I don't know. There was no, 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 there was no chat chat because I didn't want to be like, Hey, what are you doing? And for him to be like real estate agent and for me to be like, ha ha ha. I knew it. <laughs> you look like real estate. Yeah, did he see you? I don't think so. And Michelle, I, when you walk into a cafe, <laughs> every head in that cafe turns. So he saw you. Yeah, yeah I've, I've walked into a bar with you before and that thing happens where the, there's a record scratch yeah. and the music just stops. Yeah, and then somebody clumps over in cowboy boots and goes, <laughs> yeah. I told you you're not allowed in these parts. <laughs> yeah. Brazier. Yeah, yeah. It's actually hard to hang out with you. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I make a fuss. Places. I do keep making a big, big fuss. I make fuss. a fuss. I make a fuss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fussy. <laughs> anyway, it was really exciting to me. It's really exciting. Um, Does that mean you can never go back to that cafe just in case? No, that's my cafe. He's to find a new cafe or he's yeah. going to have to talk okay. to me. I don't know. He's like a nice guy. <laughs> it's fine. There's nothing like bad between us. He's fine. He's absolutely fine. But it was just really exciting and really funny <laughs> that I was like fucking real estate agent. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and it was just like, like oh, I know yeah, one yeah, of yeah. those real estate agents. <laughs> Hang on a second. <laughs> anyway, uh, what's this? This is a book, is it? This is a book. <laughs> Hey, let me tell you about it. Um, so Annette is the mother, Antoinette's the daughter. Yeah. It's very, very, a little bit confusing. I don't find it confusing, but I can remember women's names. Yeah, I know that's a thing you struggle with, Dave. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just when you read it written down a lot. Yeah, I don't. It feels a little solipsistic on the mother's part, you know? Absolutely. Like uh, Alanis Morissette's dad was named Alan. Okay. And he just made up the name Alanis. Yeah. Even though... He, even though she's got a twin brother, and he's not called Alan. What are you doing, Alan? Jamie Lynn Spears. Parents of Jamie and Lynn. Oh, yeah. Come I on. hate that. Come I hate on. that. Yucky. Yeah. Stop it. Come on. That is gross. Get over yourself. Britney You're Spears' parents. You're not that good that your kid has to be named after you. Come no. on. Do you reckon they were upset that Jamie Lynn was the less successful one, too? Yeah. The one, their namesake. Yeah. Makes sense. Sorry, Jamie Lynn. Anyway, Annette, the mother, one day calls the doctor to attend to her disabled son, Pierre. And we're never told what the doctor says, but from this point on, Annette becomes more and more distant to her children and begins walking up and down, talking to herself. Oh, no. It's one of, a, one of many tragedies that break this lady. Pierre. I just wanted to have a go. <laughs> yeah, great. Let's all have a go. I don't, don't want to go, thanks. Okay. But you can say... Rochester. Rochester. <laughs> uh, Annette is quite poor but still has servants, so it can't be that bad. Okay. But the, okay. But the estate is falling down around them. One of whom is Christophine, who's very close with the young Antoinette and is her close friend and confidant. Sort of like a, a godmother to her. Okay. She was once enslaved on the estate and has stayed around. Oh. Lots of the other locals are scared of her, thinking that she has magical powers. In in a way, her being there actually protects the family. Oh, okay. Because they're scared of Christopher. Yeah, oh. right. Okay. Uh, one day, a well-dressed man and two young women visit the property, which is unusual as they rarely have any visitors at Especially all. Especially well-dressed ones. Mm. Yes. Christophine explains that the visitors are relatives to their old neighbour, Mr. Luttrell, and Christophine also describes them as Trouble. Oh. Here's trouble. Here's trouble. Suddenly, Antoinette's mother, Annette, seems to have a bit more money and can afford to buy dresses for her daughter. Uh. Her mother also has a new horse and starts going out more and Antoinette knows something's up. Meanwhile, whilst her mum's out, she goes out exploring the estate. Okay. That's what she does during the day. And she's right about something being up because her mother remarries a man named Mr... Mason. Okay. Mr. Mason. Mr. Mason. I remember I, remember I mentioned a Mr. Mason from Jane Eyre. Yeah, but I've forgotten who he was. And I don't recall any men's <laughs> names. Are we your favourite uh, guests? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you knew all about it, there'd be no point telling That's you. That's true. Him. But I forgot who Mr. Mason was. He's the one that rocked up at the, oh, the wedding yes, and said, yes. I, ob- I object because he's already married to my sister. That's right. Ah, yes. yes. And that turns out to be this Mr. Mason's son. No, no. 
Too much. Too many. Too much. Mm-mm. Anyway, so this Mr. Mason marries Antoinette's mum. Okay. This is the dad of the man who says that, yeah, mm, okay. And so from, with me and him, are we second cousins? <laughs> I think it's first or cousins first once cousins. removed. Once first removed. cousins once removed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if I had kids, they'd be second, second cousins, cousins yeah, that's once right. removed? Or I think so. Cousins? I think just second. Oh, God. It's so okay, hard. no, I get it. I get it. I get it. So Mr. Mason Sr. marries... Yes. Uh, uh, Antoinette's mum. Yes. Uh, making his children Antoinette's step siblings. Yes. So when he's rocked up and said, he's already married to my sister, he means my step sister. But, you know, like, I mean, but yeah. siblings are siblings. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, Ant- Antoinette is the bridesmaid, and uh, she scowls at many of the other guests who she has openly heard bad-mouthing her mother and her, quote, odd children. That's good. It's good to scowl at people at your mum's wedding. Yep. I'd yeah. I'd flip them off I, if I was her. Especially when they, they're calling you an odd child, and you're like, I'll show you. I'll show you. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double my odd. <laughs> I'm going to scowl all day. <laughs> so, so they're bad-mouthing her mother and her, but they do all agree on one thing, and that is her hot mother is a great dancer. Okay. So finally we can agree on something. A hottie on the dance floor. You've got mm. my attention. <laughs> the other guests also bitch about the groom, Mr. Mason, yeah. saying he's only come to the Caribbean to get a wife and make a fortune. Okay, but he did that. Well, like he's, really he's, he's got a wife, so... He's achieved his dreams. What's wrong? Like actually, yeah. like actually, what's wrong with that? Oh, he's only come here to find love and work <laughs> and earn money. That that's scoundrel! Like, what are you talking like about? An, like at any wedding, saying oh, they're only here because they love each other. Yeah, <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Can you believe oh, so they have pink jobs? All about them. <laughs> yeah, okay. I've been talking about each other a lot. Weird, they haven't mentioned me once. Yeah, geez, Louise, we've all gathered here just to watch them have a smooch, make it official. (laughs) All right. (laughs) When am I going to have a go? When's my smooch? (laughs) Give me a smooch. Do we all just line up, do we? (laughs) (laughs) Somebody kiss me. (laughs) Imagine yelling, somebody kiss me at a wedding. I have and I will again, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was my wedding, goddammit. Nobody smooched me. I now pronounce you. Jess starts yelling. Somebody kiss me. <laughs> it's always got to be about you. It's always got to be about you. let you have a day. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I respect it. I think it's fucking awesome. You looked great though, but yeah, no, I could not let you have that attention. <laughs> no one, no one saw it because you made the photographer delete the photos of me, and then you took another hundred with yourself. God, I looked good. Ah, <laughs> uh, you did look good. <laughs> I didn't see Dave at all. Uh, but thanks but thanks for throwing grand. that party for me, Dave. <laughs> no one's seen me. No one's seen me. <laughs> so the new happy couple go on a honeymoon and Antoinette stays with her aunt. And when they all, all return to Colubri, the estate that they live on, it's been fixed up. Oh. New staff have been hired. Although Christophine, the old friend, stays on. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I hope she's getting paid now. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Anyway, maybe we can write a story about her. Yes. We could. Mm. This goes on forever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Dave. I'm very well read. <laughs> I know what's going on. But you can, it feels like you can only do it about once every hundred years, so in a couple of decades we'll be able to write this story. Perfect, because I'm a bit busy for the next 
couple decades. So then yeah. after that, we'll have some time to sit down and, and get busy the writing well. done. Yeah, it's nearly my yes, birthday please. month, and yeah, yeah I just pretty can't. busy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now they all live there for a year. It seems to be going all right, and Antoinette's mother starts to worry, and she tries to convince her husband, Mr. Mason, that they need to leave the area. She feels threatened by the local population, many of whom were formerly enslaved by her and her first husband. But they've just done up the house. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've just done, if you've done the bathroom, it, it's worth using. Oh, but I guess then resale value would yeah. be better. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's people want, people want a brand it. new bathroom. Flip it. Flip it. <laughs> she is worried that resentment is growing. Yeah, probably because of the slaves that you had. Yeah. Yes. I would Absolutely. say that's probably fair enough. Yeah, not your best call, I think. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No offence. Uh, Mr. Mason, however, he dismisses her worries in a, in a condescending way. Somehow he, try, he finds a way to make this even worse, basically saying, these people aren't even capable of a revolt. Why oh. would a rich white man like me worry even worry about them? Mm. Oh. Cool. It's it's cool to refer to yourself as a rich white man. <laughs> well, I mean that wasn't a direct quote, but basically that's the vibe he's giving yeah, yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, He starts openly talking about importing workers from neighbouring islands as he finds the locals here too lazy. Ugh. And and Annette is like, um, maybe don't say that in front of our employees and the people that already hate us. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. They already hate us and now you're threatening to take away their jobs. Would you believe it? One night, a group of locals appear at the house. And like an angry protest, they're yelling, they're whistling, they're throwing rocks. Meanwhile, the family gathers in the house, scared out of their wits. Suddenly, there's a fire and the house is on fire. <gasps> they struggle to put it out. They realise that the, the back of the house where the children's bedrooms are on fire and Annette runs in to grab her son Pierre, who tragically has been burnt. Oh no. And Annette's standing there cursing her husband for not listening to her concerns. She's like, I told you this would happen. I told you. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Mason tries to get Annette herself to leave, but she doesn't want to leave without the family parrot, Coco. Yes. Coco's a shit name for a parrot. doesn't make any sense. Oh, okay. What would you call a parrot? Mm, Penelope? Penelope. Mm. It's a P. Oh, Penelope parrot. Yeah. Yeah, it's a P sound. Puppy. Yeah. Puppy. Nah, Poppy's a dog. Sorry, you're wrong. Poppy is a dog. <laughs> Poppy's a dog, yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry I'm getting bogged down in the Coco thing, but yeah, it's fair enough she's trying to save the pet. Yeah, and uh, Coco's been with him for a long time. Uh, Coco's a beautiful creature whose wings have recently been clipped by Mr. Mason. Oh my God, this fucking guy. Possibly a bit of symbolism there, guys. Yeah, a little bit okay. of symbolism. Okay. Bit of a caged bird. Mm. Yes. A beautiful creature absolutely destroyed by this man. Cool. What a cool guy. Uh, they escape into the yard and they find the angry mob. But it's all a bit terrifying. Mr. Mason starts to pray. Oh, this fucking guy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Is that what he's saying? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> now, the crowd suddenly disperses. Not because of the prayer, mind you. But because Coco the bird, this is terrible, has caught fire <gasps> and is trying to fly, but no, it can't because it's got no, clipped wings. No, and then it falls, it falls down and dies. And it turns out it's bad luck in this part of the world to kill a parrot or to watch it die. 
So this stops the riot dead and the family escape in a horse and a cart. Oh, no. It's a very, very dramatic scene. And uh, Annette's absolutely distraught. Mm. Her son's been badly injured. The family pet's been killed. All because her husband wasn't listening to her. She is very upset. Oh, oh, mama. That's bad. Now, we then cut forward six weeks because after this horrific night, Antoinette... The daughter developed a fever and basically lost consciousness going into a sort of uh, a a coma for a while. Mm. When she comes to, she's staying with her aunt again. Her brother Pierre has died from his injuries. (sighs) And her mother has started to live in the countryside. Without her. Yeah, without her. Basically, because she's had a breakdown, I think. Okay. Uh, When Antoinette visits her mother, who's been cared for by a couple that don't seem to be caring for her very well, she doesn't even recognise her. Uh, and she's shoved aside and rejected by her mother, who's been deeply affected by the death of Pierre. Oh, that's sad. It, it is very sad. Eventually, Antoinette is sent to a boarding convent school. And everyone in her life has moved away. Christophine's gone to live with her son. Oh, well, that's kind of nice. Her aunt Cora has moved back to England. Her stepfather, Mr. Mason, goes off travelling. And she's not sure what's happened to her mother. Oh. And she stays at the boarding school until she's 17, praying all the time. And this is uh, very similar to the structure of Jane Eyre, actually. We first meet the young girl. They have a tragic childhood that we, we hear about in detail. She's orphaned from the family, sent to a boarding school, and then the story jumps ahead a few years when she's a young teen. Okay. So it sort of follows that sort of pattern mm. a bit. In this instance, the story jumps ahead to a part where Mr. Mason has returned to tell her that she will live with him and present herself to society, a.k.a. get ready for marriage. Right. This is her stepfather who has had very little to do with her. That's right. He's visited months every couple of years from his travels, just popped in for a day or two. Hello. Mm. <laughs> hey, remember me? <laughs> I've destroyed the family. Remember? Remember? Huh? You don't look happy to see me. Rude. What the hell? Yeah, God. Scowling. You know what teenagers are like? <laughs> yeah. Always holding their stepfathers to account. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Ugh, kids these days. <laughs> so he's like, you're 17, you're ready to marry. Mm-hmm. And at this point, we also learned that her mother had died mysteriously about a year earlier. Oh, no. And the only attendees at the funeral were Mr. Mason and Christophine. Okay. Aww. So he didn't think to tell... Oh, and also Antoinette. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. I was like, Antoinette oh. was there. She was there. They're all okay. there. But like, uh, she sort of, because it's her telling us the story, yeah. we sort of learn because she mentions her mother's funeral and you go, oh, I guess her mum's there. Uh, okay. Right. Yep. Okay. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, in part two, the unnamed Mr. Rochester... Takes over the narration. Rochester. <laughs> uh, uh, this is this is what he writes. Let me try and get to character. Rochester. There it is. <laughs> so it was all over. The advance and retreat, the doubts and hesitations, 
everything finished for better or for worse. Oh, that was very good, Dave. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Channeling my inner Jason Statham yeah. there, my, my acting hero. <laughs> I now pronounce you man and knife. <laughs> his best line. His best line. I love Jason great Statham line. very oh, much. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's just poetry on screen. Yeah. I love just action love movies and action heroes so much. Mm. They're the best. I'm about to go on, on a flight and I love it because I just go straight to the action movie section of the... Yeah. Action adventure play. Action adventure. And I just see what movie play. has Liam Neeson been in last year and yeah. I just watch that. Yep. And, it's, and, it goes, and, it, and it only goes for about 72 minutes and they call it a movie. I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. I like but, it the most when they're in a jungle. Yeah. Yes. Are you talking That's about Jungle Cruise again? Yeah, I'm talking about Jungle Cruise again. <laughs> and also some of the Cruise. some of the Fast Furiouses. I also enjoy Spy and the Spy Who Dumped Me. Yeah, that's fun. Anyway, I would I could keep going, but I'll stop. <laughs> I love them too. They're so fun. Really They're fun. the best movies. So Everyone's pretending like they like other movies, but they don't. They're lying. <laughs> no. Everyone just wants to watch Bedazzled. Fun romps. I love a romp. I love a romp. Love a romp. Sadly, I don't think this could be described as a romp. Oh, this book. No, doesn't feel like Sorry. it. Sorry. So don't worry. In in part two, they go on a secret mission into a jungle and there's heaps of action. What? Sick. <laughs> Dave, are you cool serious? That That's like just what we're talking about. That's crazy. That's and awesome. And is Jason State the minute? Is he yeah, playing Rochester? Is he in this book? He's Rochester. Of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mason's played by The Rock. Perfect. Yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you cast this so fun earlier? It would have been awesome. Okay. All right. So we've got Jason Statham as Mr. Rochester. Mr. Mason is The Rock. Who's going to play Antoinette? Michaela Ooh. Cole. I know I cast her, if you listen to other podcasts with me, I know I cast her as every single role, but it's because I love her and I'm obsessed with her. Okay. Michaela Cole or Melissa McCarthy? Ooh. Both fun. Both, Both fun. fun. No in between. Okay. Seems fair. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> They're the only ones you'd see for the part. <laughs> All right, if I introduce any other characters, you can uh, absolutely cast them. Okay. Thank you. So part two, it's from the mouth of Mr. Rochester. So it was all over, the advance and retreat, doubts and hesitations, everything finished for better or for worse. Basically saying, that's right, they are now married. Okay. Hmm. On their way to their honeymoon. So Mr. Rochester has married Antoinette. So it jumps forward a little bit and then he sort of explains what's happened. They're on their way to their honeymoon on Dominica and they stop at a place ominously called... Massacre. Oh, dear. I don't like that as a name. No. Eventually, they get to an estate called Grand Bois. Grand Bois. Grand Bois. Bois. Welcome to Grand Bois. (laughs) Welcome to Grand Bois. You know what it makes me think of? (laughs) Alia Grand Bois. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The estate once belonged to Antoinette's mother. Oh. Uh, they meet some of the local servants there, including a girl called Emily, who Rochester is paranoid is laughing at him. In fact, what? he's very he's very suspicious of many of the locals. Ah. He's paranoid she's laughing at him. Yeah. What an odd man. What an odd man. 
He also thinks about how he how little he knows his young wife. He'd been ill with fever before their marriage and didn't really get to know her at all. In fact, we learn the only reason he married her was money. Nice. Mm. Cool. He, he was desperate for it, and Mr. Mason's son, Richard Mason, who's the one that objects later on, offered him £30,000, a massive sum, if he proposed to Antoinette. Why is it so important to Richard that his stepsister get hitched? Um, Rochester comes from a very esteemed family. You know how they're obsessed oh, with, so they yeah. with titles and status. And, yeah, yeah, they love that sort of stuff back then, obsessed with it. Even though, so and and it turns out Rochester's desperate for money himself because in Jane Eyre we learned that Rochester was cut out of the family will by his brother and his father. Oh. So when he's young, he's he's got a great name and a good family reputation, but he's desperate for his own fortune. But then in Jane Eyre we learned that his brother died anyway, and he inherited everything. So he he gets the fortune. Uh, as and well. I love that he's like desperate to, for his own fortune. Like he wants to make his own money. So he does that just by marrying into a wealthy family. Like, you haven't earned that at all, have yeah. you? Yeah. No way. I mean, but most of these people, they haven't earned shit, have yeah, they? Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> no. So it's awkward between Rochester and his, his wife. They don't really know each other. It's awkward between Rochester and the servants, uh, including Christophine, who is back as a godmother figure for Antoinette. She's oh, back looking after her. Okay. But... She's sus as about Rochester. Really? They openly despise each other. Everyone's a bit sus on him. She's the hero of this story. Yeah, Christophine's my favourite character. She's badass. Mm. Still, for a few weeks, things go well with walks and sunsets. They meet each other. There's lots and lots of post-marital banging. Is there? Mm. Okay. They get to know each other under the undercovers. Is it fun? Is that detailed? What's it like? It's not super... It's not super detailed, um, and I can't tell you what it's like because I don't know. So okay, obviously you're told to write what you know, and I do not know that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'd be, I'd be reading Fifty Shades of Grey, going, "What even is what that? What are you talking about? What? Whereas I read Fifty Shades of Grey, and I go, "Oh yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, same. Same, same, same. No. So, nice one. Nice. nice one. Yeah, nice. done that." Yeah, that's what I say. I, yeah, I play the drinking game. I drink every yeah. time, every time, and I get so smashed. I have so many lemon nades, and I, I You're have smashed by the end of chapter one. End of chapter one, I've had so many Moscow mules. Yeah, she's, you wouldn't believe she's, she's oh legless. She is. Yeah. So there's lots of banging, and you'd think that Rochester was falling for his wife, mm. but not really. He just lusts after her. Uh, is it is that is that different? <laughs> Love and again, lust. I don't know. I don't know what either of these things okay, are. Okay, you just read these words. I'm just I'm telling you what I've read. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> this word called sex kept coming up. I just I I didn't understand. Yeah, it. I know, buddy. I know. <laughs> what the hell buddy. is that? <laughs> it's okay, little buddy. <laughs> Tried to Google it at work, and I was told to put it away. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. So, so hmm. anyway. All right. So things are going a little bit better, though. A real spanner is thrown into the works when one day Rochester receives a letter from a man named Daniel Cosway. He claims to be the bastard child of Alexander Cosway, who is Antoinette's father. Oh. Oh. So a a sibling. Yeah, he's saying, I'm a half-sibling to your wife and I've got info. Here it is. Why didn't he send a letter to Antoinette? 
Well, because uh, I'll tell you, the letter says that their father, her father, and his what he claims is his father was a terrible man. Mm-hmm. Uh, cheated on his wife, had lots of uh, lots of children out of wedlock. He says the mother went insane, and so will Antoinette, and that basically Mr. Mason has tricked you into marrying her. So Antoinette will go crazy because her mother did, or yes, I think it's it's saying. Uh, it's because her mother did. I think he's saying that insanity runs in this family. What's that got to do with their father? Nothing. Well, he asked Rochester to meet him, probably to give him a bribe. Yeah. So he wants to get money out of out of Rochester. He's blackmailing him. Yeah. I guess, yeah. He's, and he's dripping information saying, I can tell you more, but come meet me and probably pay me money. Mm. Immediately after reading the letter, Rochester returns home to see his wife speaking to a servant called Emily, the one that was laughing at him before or what he thought. And they're already having heated words. And Emily suggests that Mr. Rochester looks like he's seen a ghost and that maybe he'll leave Antoinette. Well, Antoinette snaps and hits Emily across the face who fights back and soon they have this massive fight. Oh, wow. The two ladies. Like in Fast and the Furious. Yes. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Finally, you can relate to this movie. Finally, I understand it now, yeah. I love fisticuffs. Oh, fisticuffs. Uh, Rochester has to break it up. Obviously, this is Jason Statham, so he's got no no issues, no problems. I think he's going, whoa, 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 ladies, ladies. <laughs> Cut it out. Cut it out, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he later starts wondering, hey, maybe my wife is crazy. That, nah, nah, that's not how that works. Okay. So, but he, it feels like it's like the idea has been put into his yeah. head and he just sees her acting like, you know, a bit heated and he starts thinking, oh, hang on. Is that just mm. confirmation mm. bias? It is, absolutely is. It's like the idea was put into his head at a, at a bad time. Yeah, yeah. And then he starts thinking, because uh, Mr. Rochester is also a classic overthinker himself. He starts thinking, remember, he already thinks servants are laughing at him. He's very paranoid. He starts thinking that maybe his father and brother, whom he hates, were also in on the plan. What? And he thinks... They all knew. What are you talking about? So once the seed of paranoia has been planted in his head, it's hard to get out. It's funny because, ironically, he's the one that seems to be a little bit more paranoid and crazy than than his wife. Anyway, uh, this suspicion, not surprisingly, puts a strain on the still new marriage. And Antoinette asks Christophine, her old friend, for advice on the situation. And she says, just leave him. Yeah, Christophine, always right. She's a badass. She proudly tells him that all men are trash and that she's had three children to three different men. She's always managed to hang on to her own, her own money. Who needs them? Queen! <laughs> yes! Yeah. We love Christopher. Oh, she's hilarious. She's good. She says... Jennifer Coolidge. Tell- 100%. Yes. <laughs> love it. Yeah. She tells Antoinette to cut and run. She's like, you're still young and very rich. What could go wrong? But Christophine is shocked when she learns that under English law, Antoinette's fortune now belongs to her husband, Mr. Rochester. Yeah, that's true. That's true, that is. Back then. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, well, if, you did, if this was in the Caribbean... You just, ha- no, you just in, have your money. You got your money. You can. That's, that's what she's always had. But yeah, she's like, crap, you're sort of stuck here. Yeah. So... So Antoinette asks Christophine for a love potion to win her husband back. Oh. Okay. 
Christophine, who uh, deals with a bit of magic, tries to deter Antoinette by saying a potion can cause desire but not love and that white people really shouldn't mess with this magic. Mm. But Antoinette is surprisingly persuasive and her old friend gives in and she gives her a love potion. Meanwhile, Mr. Rochester goes and meets Daniel, the letter writer, the one starting up all the trouble. Mm. The drama. Yeah, he, he keeps sending letters. There's a few more and he demands to be met. Finally, Rochester goes and speaks to him. Daniel explains that his father was old man Cosway, Antoinette's dad, who never acknowledged him. Mr. Rochester isn't really interested in his story. He's like, I don't really care. Until he adds that Antoinette used to sleep with his half-brother's son. What? So another vague relation of his. He's like, you know, she used to have premarital sex with this guy. What? Who's half-brother's son? It's like your your half-brother's half-brother's son. Anyway, we're pretty certain that he's just talking shit for money because yeah, right. he asked Mr. Rochester for £500 to keep all this slanderous information about his wife and her family to himself. Mm. But Mr. Rochester calls his bluff, gets on his horse and just rides away. Nice. He's like, whatever. Mm-hmm. But again, seeds of doubt have been planted in this paranoid man's mind. He returns to his wife and they drink and talk and he asks about Daniel's claim and she refutes them all saying that he's, he's a bitter man. Calling him a liar, explaining a family story and blaming Mr. Mason, the, the fire on their house that caused their brother's death and the t- deterioration in her mother's mental health. She's like, that was all Mr. Mason. Right, yep. There were reasons my, mo- my mother sort of lost her mind and this is it. Yeah, and the reasons like, you know, losing a child in a fire, that feels like yes. a pretty reasonable uh, cause of somebody having a, a breakdown. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. At this stage in the book, Mr. Rochester begins to call Antoinette Bertha. Why? And it's never really explained. Mm. What? She she hates it, but he be- he <laughs> he keeps calling her until she accepts accepts it. Basically, it's quite odd. And when I looked into it, uh, there are a few theories. Uh, Grade Saver, the website Grade Saver for high school students, writes: Rochester refers to Antoinette as Bertha as a way of ensuring that she surrenders into his idea of a woman as opposed to who she truly oh, is. she just is a Bertha. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's quite strange. Mm. It is strange. Very strange. But then I, I also remind myself that Jean Reese has just written this and that she made up the name Antoinette anyway, you know? Like in Jane Eyre, she's only ever referred to as Bertha. True. So. But anyway, we're going with the story. Either way, he agrees... With Christophine's suggestion that they should probably spend time apart. Okay. Remember, Christophine said, yeah, you should leave him. And then he's like, oh, that's actually not a bad idea. Christophine's actually right. So. Yeah. But Antoinette has another plan. (gasps) They have a wine before bed and she slips in the love potion. Ah, yes. Why is she so desperate to keep this trash man? (laughs) I know. He's He's not good. And she's like, oh, but I can change him. Why would you? I can change him with this love potion. Okay, let's see how this goes. I think it's going to end very well. Oh, well, Jess, you'd be wrong, actually. What? (laughs) It does not go well at all. Rochester wakes up the next day thinking he's been poisoned. He's had a terrible dream about being suffocated. He's got a stiffy. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, what is this? What has happened here? 
he he vomits all day and feels like absolute hell. And it's again, it pays into that paranoia. He's like, I think my wife poisoned me. Oh, this is so no strange. Way. She's just desperately trying to make you love yeah. her. That's so sad. That's so sad. And perhaps the lust part of the potion works because Mr. Rochester sleeps with one of the servants. Oh, oh. you dog. Emily, the one he thought was laughing at Oh, him. my God. Oh, just because he had a stiffy bras. Yeah. Oh, sorry. What do you want the man to do? Of course. Obviously, yeah. I forgot about the stiffy. I'm so sorry. He, he'd had a lot of horny goat weed. Yeah. <laughs> That's something I haven't thought about in a long time. <laughs> yeah. That's a product I used to see on the, the shelf. Of a of a chemist, the shelf of your medicine cabinet. <laughs> yeah. No, I'd always like, just think, look at it and think, what is that? What the hell is that? Yeah, horny goat weed. And now I have it every night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a little nightcap. Don't mind if I do. Multivitamin, I think, is what it is. Num 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 num. But the worst part about the the little love affair is he does so in the next room to Antoinette, only later thinking about how she probably heard. Everything. Dog. Dog. Uh, He gives Emily money the next day, which she takes, and she says she's going to Brazil to find a rich husband. Okay. Yes, Emily. Yes. Emily. That's great. Emily's book, When. Yeah. Yeah. When we write it, babe. (laughs) Emily. Lucy Lou. Lucy Lou. Yeah. Yes. Christophine's this century. Emily's next. Queen. Oh, but she went to France, didn't she, Emily? There yeah. is the movie, Emily. Emily, yeah. Yeah, good on her. She's already got one. She's got one. She's already got one. That's a great book because it has the cast already done. <laughs> yeah. A very visual book and I like that. I love that, that book. Helps. It has music. Yeah, yeah, love yeah. Love visual. <laughs> Books on tape, it's like. Yeah. Mm. So, meanwhile, Antoinette's very upset because she heard her husband um, sleeping with Emily. So, she takes a horse and leaves for three days. Mm. She returns and goes straight to her room And when Mr. Rochester approaches She seems to have what's described as a wild look in her eyes Did she have sex with the horse? (laughs) (laughs) As revenge because he slept with Emily? Yeah, for three days days Your your favourite horse Oh, I don't think that's a good idea I don't know Yeah, I I wouldn't do it Personally, yeah, I, I don't mean to yuck anybody's yum. No, but I think you can that one. That's I not. Yeah, that, that's not. horse probably has no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's not okay. No, that one. No, no, no. I'm also speculating. Yeah. Hey, in your own, in your fan fiction, you can do whatever you like. Okay. <laughs> okay. So she's got a she's got a bit of a wild look in her eyes, and she's got a bottle of rum. So she's clearly been drinking. Okay. She lashes out at Mr. Rochester for sleeping with Emily and then paying her off, saying he's as bad as the slave owners that he condemns. So he's always talking about how awful slave owners are. She's like, well, you're not so good yourself, are you? You're a hypocrite. Yeah. Yeah, he's not a good person, but he doesn't own slaves. And I think there is a big difference between being horny and owning people, maybe. Maybe she's being unfair. But he is a cunt. Yep. Like, kick him to the curb. <laughs> yeah, he's the worst. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he sucks. Uh, he tries to calm her, but when he calls her Bertha, she cries and accuses him of using magic to control and change her. Mm. He grabs her wrist and she bites him. Queen! Yeah, that's good. 
In Jane Eyre, the character of Bertha is known for biting people. Mm, so this is okay. connection to that. He leaves and hears Christophine calming her down and, by singing songs to her. Aww. So there is music. There's music. Yes. Okay. Uh, Christophine has a great crack at him and Mr. Rochester has no answer when she accuses him of marrying Antoinette for her money, calling her Bertha to break her down and then purposefully having sex with Emily in a room that Antoinette would overhear. He just says nothing. So, oh, I hate it when they say nothing. I think he's uh, she, I think she's got a point there. Yeah, she's got a fucking great point. Do we kind of like him in Jane Eyre? No. Okay. I don't. Okay. I didn't. I, I love Jane Eyre. She's a lovely, lovely soul. Uh, and she sort of falls in, in love with this, what seems like this pretty brooding man who's not very nice. Yeah. And you're like, Jane, you could do better. You're a really... But she sees the best in everyone. Jane. Yeah, right. Jane, I was Jane, wondering Jane. if this was a big departure. Because <laughs> I was like, I feel, no. did we like him in the other one? Because I hate him now. But okay, great. He's hated across the board. Yes. I mean, this is this is definitely much worse. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, uh, Christophine pleads with Mr. Rochester to divorce his wife, return half the dowry, and just leave the island forever, which he considers until Christophine mentions the possibility of Antoinette one day remarrying. And at this, he orders Christophine to leave, and he tells her he's going to take Antoinette to see some local doctors. Uh. Christophine spits at him and leaves in anger, worried that Antoinette will be locked away just like her mother was. Uh. Rochester writes to his father at home in England saying he is leaving Jamaica for unforeseen circumstances. He still thinks his brother was in on it, which is wild. Mm. He decides he'll get his revenge on his, quote, crazy wife by taking her away from the island that she loves. Cool. But she's already a broken person by this point and is expressionless as they leave the island. He writes... I too can wait for the day when she is only a memory to be avoided, locked away, and like all memories, a legend or a lie. Uh, what? Yeah, so he's now like punishing her. It's like for what? Mate, she hasn't done. She hasn't done anything. He's I think because he thinks she's ruined his life. I don't. I don't think that's the case, mate. Yeah. I think you're a bit of a piece of shit. <laughs> it's really interesting that it's written from his perspective when, like, he's so uh, unlikable. It's it's very yeah. um, unreliable and narrator, kind of. Yes, and it is it, in uh, parts hard to read because you're like, I just don't like being in this man's head. Yeah, he's awful. He is awful. Yeah, fuck. Uh, then there's the short and final part three of the novel, which begins to catch up and overlap with the plot in Jane Eyre. Okay, so come full circle. We're now back in England and Grace Poole, who is a character from Jane Eyre, she is the servant hired by Mr. Rochester to look after, quote, Bertha, locked up in the attic of Thornfield. Mm -hmm. And for a couple of pages, Grace Poole takes over the narration. For 98% of the book, it's just Rochester and Antoinette, but there's a little bit from Grace Poole. And then it goes back to Antoinette for the final lines of the book. But uh, Rochester's father and brother have since died and he has inherited the mansion. So it's been a few years. Antoinette, now locked up in the attic, wonders why she was sent to and confined to the room. And sometimes she doubts she's in England at all. Uh, It's so sad. Yeah, she's seen none of it. She's just inside a house. Mr. Rochester hasn't visited her once. Oh, yuck. The, the room only has one window that's too high to see out of, and without a mirror to look into, she begins to forget who she really is. Mm. 
But when her carer Grace pull, falls asleep at night, she discreetly steals her keys and wanders, wanders the halls of the mansion. One day, Antoinette wakes up and finds that her wrists are sore. She doesn't know why, but Grace tells her that her brother came to visit, which is the stepbrother that yeah. uh, complains at the wedding. Confused at first, she eventually works out that she must mean her stepbrother, Richard Mason. In Jane Eyre, Richard Mason visits after objecting to the wedding and the character known as Bertha lashes out at him when he visits her, biting and stabbing him with a knife that we learned that she'd smuggled in from outside. Oh, shit. So we we see the other side of that. She's woken up and she's been restrained. Yeah. Antoinette dreams for the third time, so this is a recurring dream for her, that she's wandering the mansion with a candle in her hand. Suddenly... There is a wall of flames. People are screaming as she heads out onto the roof of the manor. And this is a quote from the book. And the man who hated me was calling, Bertha, Bertha. Uh, She looks down over the edge and sees the pool from Colubri, her childhood estate where she used to play. And as she jumps over the edge, jumping off the house, she wakes up from the dream. Oh, no. And with this, she, she startles Grace Poole, her carer, but eventually Grace Poole falls back asleep and the final line from the book is Antoinette saying, Now at last, I know why I was brought here and what I have to do. There must have been a draft for the flame flickered and I thought it was out, but I shielded it with my hand and it burned up against to light me along the dark passage. And that's the end of it. So she's clearly, she's had this dream yeah. that she's going to act on and in, in Jane Eyre, she burns the house down and then jumps from the roof. Oh, Wow. So she's had a dream about that. Yeah, wow. That's a full-on dream. Yeah, and that's the end of the novel. It just Whoa. ends there. Oh, my gosh. And we know what happens from there because of Jane Eyre, yeah. That's, um, that's very sad. It is so sad. Yeah, what a sad book. <laughs> because mm. I must say, so Jane Eyre also has extreme moments of sadness, particularly her childhood where everyone's horrible to her and she's her step-family, her adoptive family are awful and then she goes to the state school and... The principal there is absolutely awful. But she's so positive and nice. There's always something good to cling on to as the reader. Mm, You're like, yes, go, Jane. And sometimes you don't understand why she's being so patient. I'm like, you're a better person than me because I would have hated them all for that. (laughs) But she's lovely. But with this book, there's no real respite. It's just sadness. Yeah, I hate it. What it's so sad. Yeah, it's interesting because it sort of seems like Antoinette didn't really – go crazy because of a genetic no genetic, that's yeah the, you locked her in a in an attic yeah yeah and the same same with her mother like yeah she had a breakdown because of the horrible stuff that happened to her as because well because of another trash man yes exactly yeah oh so sad so sad so, but i mean good well told dave yeah good story yeah, yeah thank just trying you, to lift it up a little bit at the end there rather than us just going well <laughs> <sighs> That was a bummer. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. I'm glad she got her her story told. It's nice. Yes, it is. It is great that she got her story told, and also in a way that uh, by it being so successful, that Jean Reese also got her story told yeah. because yeah, she had had this late uh, comeback in her life. Yeah, it's so cool. And without it, she probably would have been um, forgotten by by all but a few who we're really into her work. Mm. And so you said because of the success of this book, uh, her earlier work was also sort of picked up and recognised more? Yeah, picked up 
picked up, reappreciated, and that also sold more. And people are now like, "Wow, she was one of the great writers of that century." But yeah, well, we almost didn't know about yeah. it. Basically, well, that's, yeah, that's something. That's nice. And now this book is widely studied as well. Oh, cool! So a lot of people may may have heard it before. Mm. Uh, and yes, it is interesting to take like a classic novel and then yeah tell it from a different perspective. And then a hundred years later, because like you say. Feminism changes, all society changes. So I wonder if, yeah, if you did, if you did another telling in a hundred years, what would be different, yeah. and what would we, what would we be saying about it? It's also yeah. fairly bold and ambitious to, um, to take like one of the biggest, most famous books and yeah. then be like, yeah. I'm actually gonna do a little rewrite. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. do a prequel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's pretty. That's bold. Yeah, it's great. Fuck yeah, I love that. <laughs> I'm going to do a, a, a rewrite. I'm going to do a rewrite of The Lion King that's about Zazu. Perfect. Yes. Thank you. Finally. What's his backstory? Yeah. What's what's happening there? Yes, sure. Like, where did he come from? You know, there are a lot of questions. I'd actually, I'd actually love to know. Yeah, well, I'll write it. I'll let you know. Please do. You do well, don't we'll have to wait it. long. It'll be huge. <laughs> Jess, anything you want to rewrite in one of the classics? Um, I'm actually quite busy. Yeah, we so know. I it's my birthday month, so she's got a lot. <laughs> yeah, I've got on. a lot to do. Yeah, <laughs> several parties. She's honestly a nightmare. Yeah, um, <laughs> I've never regretted a friendship like this one. I've got to say, people say that. All yeah, time. just the yeah. work you got to put in. Yeah, yeah. Is this a, a glimpse into the uh, the voice memos you send? I've never regretted a friendship. <laughs> yes. Like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She says it every morning. Good yeah. morning. Just remember. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> it's I bullying. Wish, I wish we'd never become friends, but I can't do anything about it now. We're stuck now. Yeah, but that's okay because then it's it's my birthday month after that and then I'm just as insufferable. Oh, she comes for me. <laughs> I know oh, it's yeah. also your birthday month, Dave, but we both know mine's first and yours doesn't matter. So well, yeah, boys that's don't right. have Honestly, birthdays. Boys don't have birthdays. Yeah. By then people are tired. Yeah. They're over it. Who cares about Dave? They always say that. <laughs> hey, the only thing left to do is hear how much you cared about this book and give it a score out of five. Any feelings? Any? Hmm. I would say, um, I mean, I, you know, I, I didn't read it. I'll say that much. You okay. told me about it. Yeah, I did read it though. So. so I can't say much about the actual writing of it, but from a story perspective, I like that it's told from two different characters. I like that it's a rework of a classic. I am going to say 3.7. Oh, 3.7. Love how specific that is. Fantastic. 3.7 out of 5. And Michelle, what do you think? I'm going to say 3.75. Okay, she, a little bit extra there. Has to- Fucking up me. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Oh. And I'm gonna. Uh, well, I'm gonna absolutely up you as well here, but I'm gonna give it four out of five. What? Ooh, mama. Yes, I, I. Yes, I totally respect it for what it is and all that sort of stuff, but I don't think I'd ever read it again because it is just so tragic. Yeah, that's where it's hard, isn't it? Because you're sort of like, I'm not gonna read this again. This isn't a book I want to revisit because it it's sad. Um, yes, but that doesn't br- mean it it's not you. good. It's not a good read, and it's not well written. Yeah. No, that's right. Yeah. I'm I'm glad I read it, but I won't come back to it for a while at yeah. least. Anyway, my heart needs to recover. See, you need to be a bit more like me, David. Just forget everything, and then you yes. could come back to stuff way sooner. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. I can rewatch things pretty instantly. <laughs> <laughs> but Rochester has absolutely... Rochester. <laughs> he scarred me, that man. Yeah, he sucks. He's awful. Twice now I've had to put up with his Ugh. dastardly deeds. Yeah. Dastardly deeds. He's awful. I give him bloody zero out of five. <laughs> yeah. Michelle, how are you yeah. going to top that? Um, I give him minus... Oh, oh, I forgot about minus numbers. Mm. <laughs> Damn it. God, she's good. <laughs> I'll just start making her go first. Yeah, I never will. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about I, I, I make you go first, Michelle, with the plugs? I, I know you're going to the Edinburgh Festival this year, Fringe. I am. I am. I'm going. I'm really excited. I can't bloody wait. Because I think this is going to come out sort of late July, early August, which is just before then. And we've got a bunch of listeners over that part of the world, so... I absolutely recommend people go see your show. An absolute classic. You've backed up your fantastic show from last year with another absolute ripper. Though I believe you are doing uh, Average Bear, I am, is that right? I'm doing Average Bear. I just it just got filmed for a major television stream, a Paramount Plus. Oh. Ever heard of it? Yes, I have. But it won't be out in time. You'll have to come and see it in Edinburgh, and you can say I saw it live. Wow. You always want to see those shows live. Yeah. I think so. I'm really proud of it. It's got it's it's got like five stars. It's never had an unsold seat. So if Edinburgh breaks the streak, I'll be really heartbroken. It's a really it's a very good show. I've seen it a, a few times and I love it. You laugh. You laugh so much. You cry. You feel. You're inspired. Yep. You're you know there's a, there's a, a myriad of feelings and um, you know Tim's good to look at. Um, yep. If you get bored of Michelle. Just yeah. look slightly to the left yeah, and have a there. look at Tim. Yeah, he's there. He's got God, I love Tim. <laughs> I'm Tim's biggest fan. <laughs> I tell him all the time. I say, whoa, Tim! <laughs> Every morning. Yeah, <laughs> that's, what I, that's the voice memo I said to Tim. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Uh, anything else you like to steer people towards, Michelle? Um, uh, just like f- if you want to follow me on the internet, then that would be great because I'll be screaming about any new developments there. I've got some new developments, but they're secrets. I can't say them yet. But but when I do yell oh. about them, you can be ready and just check it every day. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Get your notifications on. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you want to be alerted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Michelle's posted something. <laughs> That's a photo I've done. I have to put my baby down and check this right now. <laughs> There's no time to put them down quietly. Throw. I will throw this baby. How about you, Jess Perkins? What what notifications would we need to know about oh you? Oh, my goodness. You would want to like and subscribe to uh, my podcasts. Obviously, the one that Dave and I do called Do Go On, which is the best podcast in the world as voted by Michelle Brazier. It is my um, favourite. It's my favourite. I love it so fucking much. I can't believe you <laughs> let me come on it and ruin it. Oh, that's so nice. Didn't ruin it at all. People loved it. Anyway, and I also do another podcast called Simply the Jest, where we hear Australia's wackiest stories and it's a lot of fun (laughs) it's with my friends Lewis Hobber and Michael Hing and it's just great so you can listen to those it is really fantastic hey if you want to come see me live I'm doing a one-off live show in London coming up very very soon Wednesday August the 10 (gasps) at London 229 you can find a ticket at dogoonpod.com and wouldn't it be great if you were there wow me you at home you at home no no I won't be there no, I, just I can't to get to the I chest. can't get to Europe. Oh, you've She's been, been banned. banned. You know that. 
<laughs> you were with me. I took the fall. She was yeah, one of the Brexit conditions. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no more Jesses. They said, all right, deal. She sucks. <laughs> and uh, you can follow me uh, at BookCheatPod. I'm on the social medias as well. I'll be retweeting uh, Michelle's news. So <laughs> thank, you. thank you. Hey, I'll be back uh, also with another episode real soon, but I'll say thank you so much for joining me, Michelle and Jess. Thank you. Love you. Love you. <laughs> a big yawn. Toot toot. <laughs> toot toot. And as I always say at the end of the podcast, thanks for listening and books forever. <laughs> I'm being a book chook. I love it. <laughs>